You're listening to the Small Town Monsters Broadcasting Network. You can find out more about this and other network shows, as well as Small Town Monsters films, books, our upcoming Kickstarter campaign, and much more at smalltownmonsters.com. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to another Small Town Monsters live after show. Tonight, we are talking about episode eight of Mysteries and Monsters, the Inland Empire Sasquatch. I'm joined by director, writer, producer, all-around cool guy who wears a hat, Mr. Eli Watson. But we do have a few announcements in the Small Town Monsters universe that we need to get checked off my little list here. Uh, Fun reminder to start us off, you can check out this and all of the previous live streams we've been doing over the last couple months on your podcasting platform of choice under the Small Town Monsters Broadcasting Network. Um, The video versions of these shows are available to squad members in perpetuity, but anybody can check out the audio version. So if you missed a previous interview, you couldn't make a live show, you can check it out on the go at your convenience. And speaking of the Small Town Monsters Broadcasting Network, The Lore You Know, hosted by our very own Heather Mosier, is back. Our first episode of the second season came out two weeks ago on the 4th, featuring some guy. I don't know. It was me. I was on it. Uh, But coming up, we have an interview with Jonathan Dodd. And if you don't know who Jonathan Dodd is, Jonathan Dodd is like the sun. All flowers know the sun, even if they don't know what the sun is. And Jonathan does a ton of visual work for Small Town Monsters, so you have definitely seen his art. And you can meet Jonathan Dodd along with the rest of the STM crew at Small Town Monsters Monster Fest 2 on June 29th, 2024. Tickets are going really fast. So go ahead and get yours booked. You're not going to want to miss this. And at that event, you'll be able to see a whole bunch of the cool stuff that you get the opportunity to back. I've got a ton of pictures for us tonight, folks. Uh, At our next Kickstarter launch, which will be February the 1st of next year, we'll be running a live stream with members of the STM crew. We'll be taking your questions. And we've got a bunch of cool stuff coming up next year, guys. The stuff that we know about right now, we're working on Lost Contact, for example, which is the story of the Mantell incident. And we're also working on Dogman Territory, Werewolves in the Land Between the Lakes, Lots of cool Dogman stuff coming your way. So those are two of the projects that you'll have the opportunity to back and get an advanced look at on our next Kickstarter campaign. And speaking of Dogman, we've had a lot of questions about Dogman lately. When is more Dogman stuff coming? And the answer is very, very soon with the premiere of Werewolves on Earth. If I do do this, does it look like I'm wearing a mask? Uh, Werewolves on Earth will be available globally on October the 1st on Amazon Prime, possibly other streaming platforms as well, but Amazon Prime for sure. Um, This is a historic first for Small Town Monsters. We partnered with Ward and his team over at uh, Our Caller Films, and this is a crazy, this is a crazy one, guys. It's going to be good. What I've seen so far, I'm real excited about it, and I've, I've spent a fair amount of time with this Dogman stuff. Here's another poster for that film, and I have a picture of it. It's not loading for me. If you see the design down here at the bottom, our logo. It's in orange. We have uh, the Halloween design of our logo once again available in the Small Town Monsters shop for a limited time, along with this super cool 80s style heavy metal vibes shirt that you can pick up, as well as this new design, for example, with all these classic STM posters on it. So a bunch of cool stuff over at the STM shop. I'm seeing a few comments in the chat already. I want to thank you all for being here so far. If you're watching tonight, uh, feel free to say hello. Let us know where you're watching from. I always love to see where folks are coming from. 
Got some folks in Minnesota, Indiana. Welcome, everybody. Welcome. Without further ado, folks, let's get into tonight's topic. We're talking about, again, the eighth episode of Mysteries and Monsters, the Inland Empire Sasquatch. And joining me tonight, as I've said, is writer, director, super cool guy that usually wears a hat, Mr. Eli Watt. Welcome, sir. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm great, man. I'm great. I'm in a room with air conditioning. Uh, my laptop's working. How about you? I'm good. I'm also in a room with air conditioning, although I don't have it running because we got a nice breeze coming through. So that's pretty cool. It's better than the tropical storm you've been dealing with. <laughs> oh, that came and went, man. We're good. So it did that's affect good. this episode, though. I did talk about that. So. Oh, yes. Yes. There's a lot of interesting stuff that happens in this episode. Um, and we're going to get into that. I'm going to pull out my notes here because I have the short term memory of a canary. But eight episodes into this mysteries and monsters thing. Um, how you doing? <laughs> are you getting any sleep? Are you, how, how are you? <laughs> I'm OK. I'm OK. Uh, I don't know how much I can say. So we'll leave it there. For <laughs> Yeah, but I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. It's a lot. It's a lot of research. I I want to say this. It's by far the most intense project I think I've ever worked on. But it's also kind of like a passion project of mine. But just because it's a passion project doesn't always mean that I can work on it tirelessly forever. <laughs> you know? Sure. Yeah. I think and I, this past month has had a, a lot of revelations about myself in that regard i was like but i don't want to stop maybe i should stop i don't know <laughs> well we're glad you haven't because you know now we have this super cool documentary that we get to talk about but you know glad you're glad you're still glad you're still functional that's important <laughs> well, can i share one thing i am yeah i was a little disappointed honestly i have never had a problem getting all the episodes over an hour, especially with the last one being an hour and a half. And then this one's 54 minutes. I was a little disappointed with how the runtime came out, but by the time everything was set and done, it was too late to go back and add six more minutes worth of stuff. Well, that, that six minutes is what the storm took, you know? I mean... Yeah, <laughs> yeah there you go. <laughs> That's what you, that's, I mean, that's what I, that's what I would assume. Um, <laughs> I do, yeah. I do want to shout out um, and thank our new squad members. Silk Lattendorf uh, joined the squad as well as Jose Alvarado has also joined the squad. So thank you guys. You uh, make what we do possible. We appreciate you. Appreciate you being a part of the, of the team. Uh, we do have an audience question. I think we should get to, cause if I don't, um, I have a feeling it'll cut, you know, we just need to get to this question. Uh, okay. SoCal Squatch. Hello, Eli. Where's the hat? Oh, that's <laughs> that's my good friend Todd Hale, uh, who's in this episode. So <laughs> the hat right now is on top of the fridge, and I'm not gonna go put it on. So <laughs> the people, the people love the hat, man. It, it's they it's, do. It's, it's inseparable. <laughs> it's like I've I've had in Bluff Creek, California, back when I was doing Beyond the Trail, we went to Bluff Creek and we met this uh California State Ranger Robert Leiterman. 
And I met him and I was in full gear, had the hat, the glasses, everything. Met him. So good to meet you, Eli. And then I went swimming in the creek and I came back out of the creek and I didn't have my hat on. I didn't have my glasses on. And he goes, Hey, how you doing, man? I said, Hey, it's Eli. And he's like, it's good to meet you. You know, that's funny. There's another guy around here named Eli. And he was totally serious. He did not <laughs> even had your name. <laughs> yeah. So that's fantastic. It's like, and that. it's like Batman. It's like Batman with his cape. You know, it's like or Clark Kent with his glasses. Yeah, yeah, or Godzilla with that. It just doesn't make sense. Yeah, it doesn't fit. It's it's like the uncanny valley. You see it, and your mind just can't wrap it. No. <laughs> Great question. Speaking of which, um, any questions you guys have? As always, I should have said this at the beginning. Be sure to drop them in the chat. Uh, we try to get to as many questions as possible. We love to hear from you guys. You know. Uh, so definitely bear that in mind and welcome to everybody who's tuning in. I'm seeing, I'm seeing a few more folks jumping on here. So here's a question I had for you. Um, you cover a lot of interesting history in this episode, specifically having to do with Sasquatch research in Southern California. Um, were you surprised by just the breadth of how much is down there and how significant it's been to this field? Yeah. Uh, that was one of the things starting off this series, I didn't think there had been anyone that looked into Southern California Sasquatch sightings. And turns out I was wrong that there's a, there's a bunch of people. And I mean, there's more people and I just don't know their names. I mean, we talk about the group, the Bigfoot co-op. I only know three people who were in that group. There was Constance Cameron, who was from the Cal State Fullerton. There was uh, Dennis Rumner, who's in the episode, and Daniel Perez, who's also in the episode. Who else was in the group? I don't know. You know, and then there's also the California Bigfoot Organization, which was started by two people, Rich Grumley and Floyd Smith. And then, but I know they had a team of researchers, but who were those researchers? I don't know. And I don't know, like, who has their files anymore, if their files even still exist. You know, there's so there's a lot of questions. There's, I mean, especially the California Bigfoot Organization supposedly recorded every single interview they witnessed. They recorded the interviews on cassettes, and it's like, I hope those still exist. <laughs> I hope someone didn't just throw those away. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully, they didn't get yeah. NASA taped. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so there's there's a lot of questions. Uh, there's still a lot to uncover about Southern California, um, which I'm sure will make all the people who complain that I'm not out in the field enough more upset as I uncover more paperwork. <laughs> well, hey, so. hey, someone someone has to go through that paperwork. Someone has to look through those records and those archives. So, yep. just saying. Also, there was a storm, as we've as we've said. Yes, <laughs> this is true. This is true. <laughs> Speaking of being out in the field, here's a fun one. Um, Jackie Mac, Gregor, have you ever had a moment in the field where you actually felt scared? Yes. Uh, funny enough, I've already ref referred to that trip. So that trip while we were in Bluff Creek. Um, this is in the Beyond the Trail episode, Bigfoot at Bluff Creek. I'm not sure. It's been a while since I've watched it. 
so I'm not sure how much made it into the episode, but essentially it's me, Alex, Tate Hieronymus, and Jonathan Easley go to Laird Meadow at night. And Laird Meadow is a famous meadow where plenty of uh, tracks have been found and casted, historical tracks and stuff. And um, we went there at night. We did some knocks. Uh, Alex and Tate had something thrown at them, but we had just like all the, oh, Ron Reed was there as well. But there was like just rapid succession, like everything just exploded, like the wor- the woods just exploded with just these knocks. Just and I was like, what the heck happened? And we went back out on the road because that's where the knocks had come from. And the people up there didn't do any knocks and certainly not as many knocks. I want to say it was like five or six knocks, like really fast. And when we were standing out on the road, we decided to stand out on the road and just kind of wait and listen. And we heard something moving on our right. And then when that stopped, something on the left would move. And then when that stopped, something on the right would move. And just kind of like it was taking turns. And uh, that was just an eerie feeling. I didn't feel like I was in danger, but I was like, I was scared that something was going to step out. And it was a full moon, so we could see a lot, but not into the woods, obviously. And... uh, yeah, it, I just felt like at any second something could have walked out on that road, and I don't know how I would have reacted to that. So, I mean, that sounds yeah. that sounds un- uncomfortable. <laughs> sounds yeah. like an uncomfortable situation to be in. <laughs> yeah. Well, for anyone who might be wondering how that ended, too, nothing happened. Eventually, those they stopped. The sounds stopped, and nothing else was moving. It didn't sound like they left, but nothing happened. We stayed there for maybe 30, 45 minutes, and then I just, we left. Because we were like, well, nothing's going to happen, so. Oh, something happened, but yeah. No, I see yeah. what you're saying. They were but watching us. I honestly believe that. They were watching us, so. That's wild, dude. I remember that episode. I remember being like, oh, my God. I mean, I know they made it out because, you know, I saw them on Instagram the other day, but. Yeah, I remember. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we do have a quick question from Isaac. Uh, where to watch Werewolves on Earth? Werewolves on Earth will be available on Amazon Prime on October the 1st. So want to make sure we answer that. That's super important. Uh, Wendy asks if you are aware of any many sightings from Eastern Canada. Uh I know there's a lot out there, but I don't, that is not my area of expertise. So if you do that's, though, that's, hit huh? us up. I said, yeah. if, if Wendy knows though, you know, hit us up. We'd, we'd like to know about them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Maybe a film one day. Never know. Um, Gil asks, amazing to just amazing to see, gosh, I can't talk. Sorry. Amazing to see just how vast the wilderness is in the SoCal region. Is there a notable difference in temperatures in the higher elevations? That's a great question. Yes, there is. Uh, I think I mentioned it in this episode, but if I didn't, it was when we went camping, me and my brother went camping, we were up there and on top of the mountain, it was about 80 degrees. And we drove down the mountain and went to Bass Pro Shop. And it was 
like 102 degrees. And that drive took 45 minutes. So yeah, quite a considerable difference, 20 degree difference. So it's a sharp contrast. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Much nicer in the mountains. So yeah. I love those questions about like, you know, the hard data, the minerals, the weather. It's great stuff. The minerals. Uh, the minerals. I don't know why I said minerals. Uh, Lynn asks, does Bobby Short's website still exist? And if so, is it maintained? If you know. Uh, well, Bobby Short's website is still up. Bigfootencounters.com. So go check it out. And is it maintained? If by maintained, you mean updated? The answer is no. It hasn't been updated since Bobby Short passed away. So like 2012. So there's that's that. Good question, though. It's an important resource, you know, for folks like us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Flycatchful asks, does Eli know ML Berman? I do not. He does not. It's, that that is a. I don't know. <laughs> that's the. I don't either. I don't either. But I, I'm. You know, they sound like a sound like a great guy. Uh, <laughs> you sound like a great guy. Let's whoever that, right whoever they are, okay. apologies. <laughs> uh, if you are just tuning in, I'm seeing a bunch of new folks just jumped on. Uh, my name is Aaron. I'm hanging out with Eli Watson to talk about the latest episode of Mysteries and Monsters, the Inland Empire Sasquatch, in which Eli is continuing his exploration into uh, Sasquatch activity in Southern California. And that's what we're talking about here tonight. Uh, hello, to, I've got a lot of squad members in the audience tonight, man. Hey guys, thank you all for being here. Here is a question from our good friend Jeremiah. I was hoping he would bring this up. Um, Eli, hast thou ever looked into the enchanted circle of New Mexico? I have not. You said you were hoping he would bring that up, Aaron. Please explain. I'll tell you later. <laughs> no, he told me he told me about it the other day and I was like, wow, this is awesome. I'd like to talk to Eli about this. So we'll what? circle back. Yeah. It's a place in New Mexico. Check it out. Uh Isaac asks, <laughs> what do you think of the new Loch Ness investigation? I, I personally haven't haven't really read into it, but I don't know where you're at. I have not had the chance to, so I I I got back less than a week ago from being in Washington state filming another project that will probably debut some point this year. So that's, that's where I was (laughs) when all the news about that happened. See, every time something really big happens in this field, I'm like in the middle of the woods with no service. And then I come out of it and I got to maintain, I got to come back and then do all the normal you know, human activities like sweep the floor and do the dishes and then <laughs> be a person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Watch, a, watch five episodes of Ahsoka. I'm one behind. Yeah. yeah. Whoa. Dude, you need I'm to catch up. This episode's crazy. I know. I, I, I know I'll stay on topic, but yeah, no, I need to, I need to get back on that. Uh, <laughs> William Sleeper, <laughs> Aaron Eli, I'll probably keep bringing this up on the streams. Any more thought on offering some, all of the multi-episode shows, Mysteries and Monsters, On the Trails, etc., on DVD or Blu-ray? 
Um, Seth answered this question a couple of weeks ago. William, thank you for bringing that up again. Uh, if there's an interest, you know, that's something that we have an interest in doing. So knowing that the audience would like that uh, is very helpful. We appreciate you, William. Thank you. Um, if that's something the rest of you would like to see, let us know. You can hit us up on the socials. You can email us. You can contact us through the website. Let us know. Let us know because we'd like to do that. Um, let's see. Let's see. Uh, Jackie McGregor asks, um, have you ever spoken to Scott Carpenter before his passing? I did not. No, I did not. Mm. That's it's unfortunate. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, people life, man, time waits for no one. No one at it's all. True. It's true. Yeah. Let's see. Let's see. Oh, someone did ask. I do have to address this. Sorry. I said I'd stay on topic. Uh, Mara O'Shea asks, what is Ahsoka? Uh, that is the new Star Wars series on Amazon Prime. This is not a Star Wars show. So I'll let you check it out if you're interested. You mean on Disney I, Plus? I said it, I said Amazon Prime, didn't I? Oh yeah, shoot! Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Our stuff what is on, on Amazon Prime. We are on Amazon Prime. We are <laughs> myself and Eli specifically, as well as the rest of the Small Town Monsters crew. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, yeah. guys. <laughs> Oh man. Uh, SoCal Squatch asks, can Eli add anything from the Dennis Ruminer interview that was cut? Uh, yeah. I mean, his interview was twofold. I talked about his Southern California stuff and then also his Northern California stuff. Cause interestingly enough, back in the day after the Patterson Gimlin film came out, Everyone was doing research in Northern California. There is a bunch of Northern California researchers. Um, and I would do more Northern California episodes if it wasn't 12 hours away. Um, <laughs> people think, oh, California, you're in the same state. Yeah, but it's like halfway up the coast. So um, yeah. Yeah. I live an hour away from the border of Mexico. You're talking about driving like 600 miles away. <laughs> Yeah, a lot of people. Yeah, that's that's multiple states in certain parts of the country for <laughs> for our northeastern uh, friends. <laughs> right, but I do want to go back to Bluff Creek. That is, you know, the first episode of this series was a sequel to a Beyond the Trail episode, and I would like to do the I do that again with uh, Bluff Creek and do an episode on Bluff Creek, maybe two episodes, and interview all those guys. Um, and that's where I would add the second half of Dennis Rumner's interview because it's most relevant to that area of the world. Love it. Yeah. I love it. Oh, we have someone watching from New Zealand tonight. Hello to zero, zero, wow. zero, zero, several zeros. Hi. I love seeing where people are watching from. I think that's super cool. Uh, here's a question I had for you kind of on that same topic, speaking of stuff that maybe didn't make the film. Um, was there an encounter story that you wanted to look more into or spend more time on or, you know, something you just didn't have time to cover or anything like that? Yeah, actually, uh, there was an interview with a guy named, well, I didn't do the interview yet. It's a guy I've been messaging back and forth with for a few months now. Um, his name's Eric Garcia, and he had experiences um, in SoCal here and in in, in the in the Inland Empire uh, 
way back in the day and I wanted to sit down and interview him, but our schedules couldn't line up. We, I was just too busy. He was too busy and it didn't work out. That's someone I will interview though and, and talk to. And that's the other thing. So many people have reached out to me from Southern California and I just don't have the time to talk to everyone. It's, it's so, it's so much. So sorry, everyone, if you're watching this and I haven't gotten back to you, it's just, I'm really busy. It's, I think it's endemic of, of this field. You know, you, you, you get, it's just, it's hard to keep up. <laughs> we get yeah. a lot of messages. <laughs> yeah. And a big, quick, a big, big thank you to Tyler Hall for supporting the channel. We see you. We appreciate you. Thank you awesome for being here. Are you okay? Yeah, I'm really I'm concerned for your safety these days. Okay. <laughs> uh, Christina says, I think Southern California has a lot to offer as far as Sasquatch sightings are concerned. It would more easily be seen in a desert type of environment. Hmm. Yeah, I cover some of the, there are desert sightings in the Mojave Desert, but uh, I talk about this in the, it's called Sasquatch of the Southern Sierras. Um, where I talk about all these desert sightings. What I think they're doing is I think they're just crossing the desert from mountain range to mountain range, like the bear do, like the deer do. So they're not hanging out in the desert. They're just crossing. They're in the desert one, two days maximum because there's not enough cover for them. I think that's a big thing for Sasquatches. They like a lot of cover, just like a lot of the other apes. That's going to stir up the comments there. But uh, apes like trees. They like bushes. They like to hide in those things. It, it's, it's like, think about us even as apes. We like to hide under our blankets. Tell me you don't. Tell me you don't. <laughs> All the time. All the time. So uh, the desert's a little too open for them, I think. But it is a quick travel route. Instead of going up and down these endless valleys to get from one mountain range to the next, they could just cut across the desert in a day. I think that's that. That's what the other animals do. So yeah, well, you were also talking about vast, vast spaces here. Um, one yeah. of the I'm really glad that that was brought up because one of the questions I had for you, um, you know, you talk about the Pacific Crescent Trail as a Bigfoot highway which I think is a really interesting concept. And actually the thing I have in my notes here after that is figure out how to turn this into a question. I did not figure out how to turn this into a question, uh, but I did go and look um, and actually have a map here of that trail, just vast, vast spaces that we're looking at. Um, and apparently I did a quick search. It takes the average person five months to hike this entire trail. Yep. So, you know, if we're talking about places that provide cover and crossing deserts, I think you really make that point in this film. I still haven't figured out how to turn this into a question, but I'm really glad that was brought up. <laughs> well, all right. This is what I'm talking about. Um, okay, so you see down by Los Angeles on the map. Okay, and it's got that little hook formation. It looks like a C almost. Mm -hmm. Okay, those are the mountains I'm talking about. To the, the on the inside of the sea is what the is the Mojave Desert, and I think they're cutting from where the S on Los Angeles might be, up to the top of the sea, and they're crossing the Mojave Desert that way. Um, okay. Because the 
the PCT follows the mountains. It's if you were to overlay this with a higher quality, higher quality topographical map, you would see all the mountains in Southern California are on the PCT like that. And so that's where I think the desert sightings are coming from. But yeah, it's it's true even in states like or even in Northern California, in Oregon, in Washington, sightings tend to hang around the PCT. Not always. Don't don't get me wrong. Where there's viable habitat, that's where these creatures are going to be seen. But um, mm -hmm. in Southern California, it seems where the PCT goes is where the viable habitat is. But again, like I've talked about in lots of episodes, uh, the lots of Southern California is viable habitat, and there have been sightings in other places off of the PCT. But it seems like the highest concentration of sightings occurs along the PCT, and so that was a that's a theory that was turned. Uh, I found out about through Matt Moneymaker and through Cliff Berrickman, and they share the same sentiment. And I I'm starting to agree with them as I look at the data. I'm like, this makes sense. And you look at where the PCT goes, and you're like, okay, this is viable data, or this is viable habitat this makes sense. It would be here. And, uh, oh, look at that. Petikov media, throw them up, throw them up. Oh, is Alex here? Alex is here. He's watching me. There he is. There he is. Alex, yep. our friend over at Petikov media, member of the small town monsters crew. Also guy who wears a cool hat. Interesting parallel to the East coast sightings here. Follow the Appalachian trail from Georgia to Maine. That's where all the best habitat is. Very interesting. Yeah, it yep, it makes sense. So mm -hmm. that's Love. what I think's going on. And I don't Love. think they're walking on the trail. I don't think they're walking on the actual trail itself. But I think they might be paralleling it. You know, mm -hmm. that makes sense. Yeah, and yeah. we see them because people walk this trail. Presumably, you know, just looking at it as a layperson. Yeah, very interesting. Very interesting. Yeah, I was reading. Uh, I was reading something like 80% of people who try the PCT, maybe even more, give up. I mean, five months of walking. <laughs> if I can carve out five months to do anything, I mean, <laughs> I'm probably going to give up and go home and take the rest of those five months to do something else. But <laughs> no, that's, that's, that's such an immense amount of space because you talk about it in the film, you, you know, how it starts at the Mexican border with California and then just goes all the way up through Canada. But for me, like five months just speaks to how vast this space is and how much is probably unobserved and unexplored and that we have no idea about. So I think I speak for all of us when I say that I'm glad you're continuing to focus on this area, but that's well, just my opinion. <laughs> um, Brown Dwarf asks, of course, has Eli been up in the loss in the Angeles National Forest? I believe, yeah, I have. I haven't done a whole lot up there yet, um, but I plan to. That's what I can say. Plan to. That's another like area where, I mean, again, the PCT runs through An Angeles a little bit, but that's just plenty of viable habitat there. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Very cool. Isaac asks, what is your number one monster and why? Well, this is a fun one. I always enjoy this one. Monster, monster how? 
what are we talking about? Are we talking? Can we include fictional monsters, or are we sticking with the cryptids here? I'm going to go ahead and just make an executive decision and say both. Both. Okay. Well, I have two answers. I guess when it comes to cryptid, it would be Sasquatch is kind of my favorite. So, well, yeah. no, the answer is the Yeti. And I don't think they're the same thing. Mm. They're similar. I mean, they're both apes, but they're not the same thing, right? So. I don't know. You're the researcher. I'm just the talk show. Yeah. Host. My, number <laughs> one, my number one monster is King Kong and Bigfoot Society put King Kong for PS2. Game. Well, I did a Let's Play of King Kong for PS2. I play the whole game. It's on my personal YouTube channel. I did that a few years ago. Oh, I know what I'm doing for the rest of the evening. That's awesome. No, <laughs> I'm going to answer this question just because I want to. Uh, Dogman for cryptids. Mecha Godzilla for fictional monsters. Um, oh, please. Yeah. Oh, so you're yeah. a Godzilla guy. All day. All day, every day. When I'm not, <laughs> when I'm not doing this. Wow. But King Kong. Yeah, it's a whole thing. Anyway, back to the show. Uh, Gil asks, <laughs> so, any possibility of investigating the area where the Sierra sounds were recorded in the 1970s? I will say it's a possibility. Yes. Can't give you a time frame on that or any specific details because uh, I don't know how to get there. <laughs> you know? So... And but it sounds uh, like you want to, which is important. <laughs> yes. Uh, well, Ron Moorhead is kind of a white whale for me in terms of this series. Or in, yeah, in terms of Mysteries and Monsters, I would love to interview him about the Sierra Sounds. In fact, I was set to interview Ron Moorhead last September. And uh, due to a bunch of strange last-minute circumstances, I was not able to. That's a story I cannot share on the air, but let's just say I was at the house where he was and I was not able to get to him. So, so uh, I mean, you're, you're like one of the men in black at this point. You're going a lot of places. You're involved with a lot of paranormal stuff. There's going to be stories you can't, you can't share. So yeah, but Moorhead and then also Moorhead's now on the East coast. So that makes it difficult to to get to yeah yeah fair great question though gil love to go to that place uh, mara o'shea always good to see you mara who is your favorite person either today or in the history of sasquatchery sasquatchery i love that i'm gonna be using that from now on yeah sasquatchery that's interesting because I don't look up to people very much. I don't know. Favorite person. Um, uh, man, in Sasquatchery, I don't really know. I I used to be, I still am a huge fan of Ivan Sanderson. Um, he's more of a general Fordian person than a, just Sasquatch. But he did write that seminal book. Um, Abominable Snowman Legend Come to Life, um, which was like the first Sasquatch book. 
And, you know, so, I mean, it covers Yetis, it covers Sasquatch, you know, not all the information is totally accurate or up to date with what we think about these creatures today. But, uh, I mean, that was published in 1961. That just tells you how new this kind of field is. It's not even 100 years old yet. And, mm-hmm. uh, uh, but I've also started digging into the life of John Green a lot more, and I've come to really, really like him and really appreciate him. And uh, there's he wrote that book, Sasquatch, The Apes Among Us, which is, I mean, that is a, that is a very important work. And that, I mean, let me go off for a little bit. Let me, let me do a little rant, but this is the latest trend of books I've seen come out in the Sasquatch field are just collections of sightings, just sighting reports. You know, it's like the, these people went on Reddit and said, hey, do you guys have any Sasquatch experiences? And then copied and pasted the comments section into a, a book and then published it, you know? And that bothers me because uh, it's like copying what John Green did, but to a, a much lesser degree because John Green interviewed these witnesses in person. He He vetted them. He includes whether or not he thinks they're credible witnesses or not and has this analysis and breaks it down and infers things from all these sightings and he's like what can we kind of assume about the behavior based on what people have seen and i think that is important and that's missing from books currently and uh i mean john green dropped that book and no one has come close to it at all since then. I I do want to say, though, I have been reading Matt Pruitt's book, The Phenomenal Sasquatch, which is a phenomenal book. Uh, that, I would say, is probably top tier alongside John Green. I mean, talk about serious analysis of this phenomena in an educated way that doesn't jump to any conclusions and, and takes its time to build its argument. I mean, that's, no one's writing books like that, except for Matt Pruitt. <laughs> so that's what, that, that was my rant. I was actually going to ask you if you had any book recommendations, because um, you and I are, you know, both book guys. So, you know, that's, that was a good rant, but no, I, I, I appreciate what you're saying. I'm glad that question was asked. Uh, Scott, our buddy Scott, always good to see you, Scott. Eli, do you have the next couple episodes plotted out, or do you pivot depending upon new discoveries that you make along the way? Um, the episodes are pivoting. I would say that there are episodes in the works, um, and that's. How do I put this? It's a multifaceted thing because there are episodes I want to do that, well, like you were saying, Aaron, in the last time we did this live stream, you're like, how did you get so many people in your episode? And it's like, I mean, researchers from all over the place interviewed across different states and stuff. Episodes like that take a lot of time. 
um, obviously to film and interview and stuff. So, but there's always episodes like that in the pipeline that I'm like waiting to get an interview with. That's, that's like, if I was able to interview Jeff Meldrum, I would have one of my dream episodes made right now, but without that episode, without that interview, I can't complete it. So that's like one, you know, Ron Moorhead, you know, getting that one, I could do a whole episode on the Sierra sounds completely to my, uh, satisfaction. Um, but then also, yeah, new discovery. Like I legitimately thought I was only going to be able to do two episodes in Southern California. And now I've done four and now I'm like, Oh, I could easily do two more. And <laughs> so it just keeps growing, you know? So new discoveries do play into it. And then like doing the Georgia Damsky episodes this past summer, I was able to uncover all sorts of different threads um, that I'll be pursuing in different episodes down the line. So, yeah. That's kind of how this stuff tends to go. You know, you get invested in one project and that leads to this other information that leads to something else. And no, I love that. I love that you're able to be dynamic with it because a lot of stuff out there, man, especially in California. Uh, Matt's tube of you. Good to see you, Matt. It sounds like these SoCal episodes have unearthed a bit of a network that may have flew under the radar of a lot of others not widely known about. Hmm. Correct. That That is what I'm uncovering. People, uh, researchers that were just kind of swept under the rug. And because, I mean, as I say, there's a lot of sightings here in Southern California. And there are. There's a surprising amount. But compared to anywhere else, it's not a lot. <laughs> so, I mean, the, the focus after 1967, it was uh, Northern California. But then it quickly became, in 1970, uh, Peter Burns Research Project in Oregon. And then that's where the Four Horsemen was. I mean, John Green and Renee DeHinden were in British Columbia. I mean, so... Oregon, Washington, and British Columbia really became the focus of this phenomena. And so, and, and it still kind of is, right? You know, if you, I mean, you live anywhere outside of those three places and you say, oh, I'm a Sasquatch researcher, they'd be like, oh, where, here? Yes, here. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, and uh, so, yeah, I mean, the other thing is, too, they didn't publish books. I mean, Rich Grumley never published a book. Um, uh, Moneymaker hasn't published a book. Bobby Short, even though she got really close to publishing her book, passed away before she could publish her book. Um, so there, there's uh, uh, Constance Cameron, as far as I know. I mean, she is literally a ghost. I can't find anything about her on the Internet. So. Um, except for the fact that she did used to work at Cal State Fullerton uh, as head of the anthropology department. But in terms of anything Sasquatch, I can't find anything about her. And so, like, that's a whole organization that's almost completely a ghost. You know, uh, I know there's she published a newsletter, the Bigfoot Co-op newsletter. I don't know anyone who has any copies of that. So it's like that's a whole piece of history just missing, vanished. You know, so part of it, I think, is uh, 
Southern California not being a focus for this phenomena to these researchers not seeking publicity in that way, not publishing anything. And uh, what was published, like newsletters and stuff like that, is just lost to time now. Hmm. Yeah, that's it's a shame, man. Like pre-digital age, you know, we're really just reaching a point where all of this stuff is online and there's so much that's just buried out there. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I do see uh, I do see someone in the audience I want to shout out and acknowledge. Hello to Rob Roy Menzies. Um, and we have a comment from our friend Jasmine. Rob Roy loves seeing all your illustrations in this episode, which is one of the questions I wanted to ask you. There are so many great illustrations by Rob Roy in this episode. Uh, do you have a favorite? I do. You're going to put it up on, yeah, there yeah, it is. Yeah. It's, it's kind of a loaded question because I already asked and you already sent it to so, me. But that one, I <laughs> that did was not explain. I did not explain why this is my favorite though. Yeah, tell us, tell us. Uh, one, because it's a Sasquatch dying. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's so morbid, but it's it's cool to me, I don't know what the story is behind this because this was uh, part of a series of uh, illustrations that Rob Roy did for Bobby Short. And uh, as far as I know, those were all related to specific stories or sightings. So I'm not sure what the story is behind this. But the, the look on the dude's face is he looks almost sad that he's done this. He shot this Sasquatch either intentionally or an accident through the neck. It's bleeding out. It's dying. It looks, it's in pain. It's writhing in pain. It's bleeding out. And uh, it's interesting because you hear so many of those uh, reports where hunters or something say they can't, they can't shoot this thing because it it's so human. Um, and it's like, I don't know what's passing through this person's mind. You know, it's like, oh, you know, you feel bad for it. Like, and I mean, if you shot a deer and saw it like suffocate and bleed out, you might feel bad for it. But you know, this thing is so close to human. It, it's you're entering that strange valley where it's like, am I? What am I witnessing right now? <laughs> did I just kill someone? Uh, did I just? Like, what is this thing? And uh, I don't know. It's like so much is conveyed in the look of both the Sasquatch's face and the dude's face there. And it's just what I, I don't know if my rambling even made sense, but that's that's what no, I it totally makes sense. I think that speaks to how powerful this piece is, is that it can evoke yeah. that. Like you said, there's so much going on. And it can evoke that much thought and that much conversation, you know, just between you and I in the audience with with one picture so awesome work mm -hmm. rob roy i'm seeing a lot of a lot of folks in the audience that, that agree that uh you did some amazing work on this so thanks man thanks for coming out uh we are coming up near the hour we're not quite there yet so i want to get to as many of these audience questions as we can uh marty asks uh missed you guys in new mexico are you planning a return trip are you going to new mexico anytime soon no I'm, i don't know i don't I don't have any plans. I don't have. <laughs> I do want to check out that Enchanted Circle, though, which is in New Mexico. It's like a 
Looks like oh, I lost the I lost the next question I was gonna ask. Where'd it go? Oh, here it is. There we are. Zachariah. Hi, I love the topic of Sasquatch. Hope you consider going to Colorado one day. Not sure if you've ever gone this way. Lots of sightings and history out there. Um, the STM crew has spent time in Colorado during the filming of uh, On the Trail of UFOs Night Visitors, but um, you want to go to Colorado, Eli? Look for Bigfoot? I don't think we've been out there for that yet. I have with Alex. Oh, you have? Uh, oh. What was it called? Uh, Rocky... Rocky Mountain Sasquatch, I think is what it was called. Um, that's actually if probably one of my favorite episodes of that series where we stayed on this property. Me and Alex stayed on the property of this um, woman and her family who were having repeated Sasquatch encounters um, just in their yard and stuff. And um their house backed right up to the wood line there and i mean they had lots of horses and stuff i mean it was just a super interesting uh trip and we didn't have anything happen but uh the stories from there are just super strange and uh i i think it would be cool to go back and visit those people but uh i don't have any plans to at the moment i would like to go back to colorado i think it's beautiful out there. So beautiful state. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. We're hoping to be out there by the end of the year, the family and I, not for Bigfoot, but who knows? Uh, jail Jade asks, has anyone at STM seen one of the invisible predators? I saw one eight years ago and it's driven me nuts to know what they are. Um, this is a thing I've heard of these people seeing entities that kind of resemble the predator from the predator movies when the camouflage is on. Um, I personally have never witnessed one. I don't know if Eli, if you've ever crossed paths with anything like this or. I have not. More about it. Hmm. I don't. Interesting question. Could be. I, uh, I don't know anything about this. Yeah. Yeah. This is something I've heard about more recently. I don't know much about it, but I have heard of it. So great question, Jail. We'll, we'll get back to you. Maybe. I don't know. You never know uh let's see let's see steve asks what about the idea that ultimately these are just feral humans is that ruled out by most of the eyewitness accounts that describe something much bigger uh yeah i would say the eyewitness accounts that describe something much bigger uh on top of that the foot morphology i'm not an expert on that but uh it some of the really good casts show a mid-tarsal break which humans anatomically do not have it's not a genetic mutation that some people have it no one has that so that is distinctly like one of the great apes type foot morphology um the fact that they're completely covered in hair uh i forget exactly what that is called <clears throat> um where people have that condition where they're completely covered in hair. I, there's not enough people. There's not enough people hiding out in the woods that look like that. Uh, well, actually, I don't want to say that because I don't know how many people are hiding in the woods, but that look like that completely covered in hair. First of all, that's like a super rare condition to have. And I'm assuming that the majority of feral humans that hide out in the woods do not have that condition. So, uh, that's where I'm, that's where my head's at. There's not enough people to do that. Certainly not enough. Cause then what you're talking about is you're talking about 
a group of feral humans that all have this condition that are completely covered in hair that are anywhere between six to eight feet tall and have a mid-tarsal break. Uh, hypertrichosis is what it's called. Thank you, brown dwarf. Uh, yeah, they, they, I just don't see that happening. Mm -hmm. That's an important yeah. question, yeah, because there is yeah. scientific evidence that, that leads us to different conclusions, so I think it's an important question right. to ask. Uh, Zachariah asks, what's your opinion about skunk ape or the folk monster, Southern Sasquatch? Do you think they differ in any way? Descriptions of what I've heard differ slightly in appearance and temperament. All right. Um, my op opinion, I haven't looked too much into the skunk ape. I have not looked into the falc monster like at all. Um, Southern Sasquatch, do they differ in any way? I hear that they're smaller. Uh, which would actually follow with uh, Bergman's law, which is, you know, animals get bigger the further away from the equator you get. So they're smaller down south in Florida and places like that. That makes sense. I mean, all the other animals are smaller. The deer are smaller. The bear are smaller. Uh, makes sense. Uh, as far as differing in temperament, I'm not sure if that's 100% true because one of the most violent encounters of Sasquatch history is the 1924 Ape Canyon incident, which occurred in Washington. So, um, and there's lots of other, as far as I know, there's not very many reports of Sasquatch being overtly aggressive. Territorial, sure, or trying to bluff charge people, get people out of areas, you know, those are aggressive displays, but I mean, you don't hear about people like, getting killed by Sasquatch very often, if at all. Um, so, like, so I don't know if they are more aggressive down south as much as they are. I just, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if they really differ in temperament as much as people seem to think. The only way you would know, the only way to figure that out is to find all the reports from down south or even just look through all the BFR reports from down south and determine whether or not, you know, organize them in categories as aggressive or non-aggressive. Take the percentage of that, which are aggressive, and then compare them to like the PNW, go uh, British Columbia, Oregon, Washington, you know, and organize those aggressive, non-aggressive, calculate the percentage of aggressive reports, and then compare the two percentages. That's the only way you would know. Yeah. Great question, though. So a lot of a lot of data, a lot of data to sift through. <laughs> to that's what I'm saying. That's what, people, that's what we're at now, guys. We have to do that. We have, we to, have to do that. Data. Paul Atreides said, I have all the data. So, yeah. yeah. Well, Eli, yeah. thank you once again for joining me for uh, one of these super fun live streams. Always fun to hang out with you. We'll go ahead and wrap for the evening. But where where can people keep an eye on what you're working on going forward? Yeah, uh, keep an eye on the YouTube channel, Mysteries and Monsters. Uh, next month's episode will be something spooktacular. Ooh, spooktacular. Yeah. yeah, oh, it is yeah. spooky season. That's right. It is spooky season. And <laughs> other than that, I mean, you can follow me on Instagram at the Eli Watson. 
and then you can also i'm going to shamelessly plug my own podcast here cryptid campfire check it out listen to it we come out once a month it's a great show it's a great Thanks. show i was, I was on it once it was a lot of fun it's a great show <laughs> yeah you were holy smokes that's right it's a good time yeah wow We've got to All stop right. meeting. No, not really. Anyway, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> thank you, everyone, for tuning in tonight. It's so good to see you. So good to hear from you all. Uh, tune in next week. We'll have another guest, another topic to talk about. If you have not joined the squad yet, now's a great time to do that. You can do that over at the Small Town Monsters YouTube channel. But beyond that, have a great rest of your weekend. Thanks for tuning in. And good night. Good night. You've been listening to the Small Town Monsters Broadcasting Network. If you enjoyed this show, consider giving it a like, review, rating, or sharing it with a friend. And be sure to visit smalltownmonsters.com for more info about this and other STM projects.